0: Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Amen. Good morning, City of Light. Good morning to you, wherever you may be this morning in your homes. Uh, tuning in with us, um, just grateful to be here, worshiping with you. Well, it was a cold winter evening. It was January, and I was sitting in the driver's seat of my 2014 Jeep Patriot on my way home, on my way back to school from our Christmas break with our family, and. My brother was in the passenger seat, and, and we were just chatting as we drove. Music was playing in the background. The light, that kind of cool winter light was just beginning to dim on the horizon, and there were some soft flurries of snow falling on the farmland around us. And, and, and we just kind of had this feeling of, of settledness and of peace, but also some excitement as we were returning to another semester. And I remember that moment as as a moment of calm. But I also remember that moment as an experience of how quickly things can change. How quickly things can change. Things can change in an instant. You see, that quiet scene, the gentle flurries of snow, in just a matter of minutes, completely shifted around us. The wind began to pick up. The last light of the sun disappeared over the horizon. And those flurries that were falling quickly began to pick up into heavy, swirling snow. And before we knew it, it was pitch black, and we were in a full-scale blizzard. The snow was piling up on the road in front of us. The wind was pummeling against the windows. And the darkness, that kind of thick, black darkness, completely surrounded us and was making it difficult to see even just a few feet ahead. I remember my whole body just tensing up and my hands gripping the steering wheel as we tried to navigate our way through the storm to find a place to pull off the road. And as I saw the taillights ahead of me slowly disappear into the darkness, I just remember this feeling of anxiety settling over me. And I'm kind of bracing myself for what lay ahead in that storm. I think that for many of us, this past year of 2020 has been a lot like my experience in that snowstorm on I 80. This time last year, we had no idea of the darkness that lay ahead of us. Most of us resonate with that feeling of, of whiplash, the experience of having everything just change in an instant our whole bodies are tensing up and our minds are bracing us for what's lying ahead. And where all that seems to matter is just getting to the other side of that storm. I read an article in The Atlantic the other day, which called 2020, one of the most traumatic years in our nation's history. And that trauma has been, it's been on a large scale with with COVID-19 and lockdowns and racial tension, civil unrest, but it's also been on a, on a personal level with many experiences of sickness and anxiety, of loneliness, loss of income, plans upended, work-life changed, and all of this just in the middle of the ordinary pressures of life, right? We try to navigate kids struggling in school, relational conflicts with, with parents or spouses or roommates, job changes, car accidents, busy schedules, spiritual highs and lows, emotional processing, and the challenge of just trying to trust God in the middle of it all. As we're gathered here virtually today, I think we can all agree that 2020 has been a year where we've experienced a very real and very disorienting darkness settle over our lives. And it's my sense that for many of us, that experience of being suddenly plunged into darkness has caused a lot of us to go into survival mode. It's made our bodies tense up and our minds brace us for what lies ahead. And all that seems to matter to a lot of us is getting out to the other side. Our passage this morning on this final Sunday of 2020 doesn't shy away from any of those realities. It's, it isn't abstract theology or, or kind of a sentimental evasion of the darkness that we face. It's actually an exercise of staring into that darkness head on. And it's a promise. It's a promise for those of us who've gone into survival mode. If we call 2020 a wash, Promise that even in the middle of the darkness, a darkness that hasn't yet lifted, God has made a way for us not only to survive, not only to make it out to the other side, but to have life and life to the full. So let's look together at John 1, verses 1 through 11. We'll be focusing this morning on verses 4 and 5. So our passage passage this morning begins in the beginning. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the Gospel of John, the the Word refers to Jesus, and commentators on this passage point out that to really grasp the impact of this, we really just need to read Jesus' name back into the passage again. So, in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life and that life was the light of all humankind. Look again at verse four in your Bibles. In Jesus was life. Full stop. That's a bold claim to make by any definition, right? John's just spent the first three verses of his gospel proclaiming Jesus as the very same God, who is at work in creation, bringing all things into existence. And in that sense, we can pretty easily see how Jesus would be connected to life in this passage. But there's something more that John's doing here, too. Uh, That life that John is talking about is not just the life that he gave creation in the beginning, but the life that Jesus has in himself, the life that he has in himself with the Father from the beginning. So when you hear those, uh, actually in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls that kind of life eternal life. When you hear those words today, eternal life, there there are any number of things that might come to your mind. Maybe you think of a time, maybe a time when you were young, when when you asked God to forgive your sins and, and give you eternal life. You might think of some preacher or evangelist you once heard saying that you could have eternal life if you repent and believe in Jesus. And you've probably heard someone just say that eternal life just means life forever in heaven. And, and there's truth to each of those things. Each of those things have something to do with what the Bible means when it talks about eternal life. But, but I think the best definition for eternal life is the one that Jesus gives us in John 17, 3. Jesus is praying to his Father in the presence of his disciples, and he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the meaning of eternal life. To know Jesus and through him to know God. And it isn't just head knowledge, it isn't just to know information about Jesus, but to know him personally, to know him intimately, to know him by experience. The kind of knowledge Jesus is talking about is, is the same kind of knowledge that the Bible refers to between a husband and a wife. The kind of knowledge that's found only in the most intimate sort of relationships. An experiential, firsthand hand affection-filled knowledge. this is the kind of knowledge that Jesus calls eternal life, to know God that way, to know Jesus that way, to know and experience the very life of God, to participate in that loving, infinite embrace that Jesus and the Father have shared since before time began. Don't you want to know Jesus that way? Don't you want to experience that kind of life? Jesus says later in the Gospel of John, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it in its fullness, have it to the point of overflowing. Jesus wants to give you that kind of life. That's the reason he came. That's the whole meaning of Christmas in a nutshell. So this morning, a few days after Christmas, Few days until the new year. It's the perfect time to ask yourself what kind of life do I want with Jesus this year? What kind of life is Jesus offering me right now? So, friends, if this year has pushed you into survival mode, if the unexpectedness and the darkness, has driven you to that place where your your hands are gripping the steering wheel and all you can think of is making it to the other side of it all, then Jesus' invitation to you today is an invitation into life. It's an invitation to know Him and to know your Heavenly Father, to know His love for you and His presence with you through the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation to experience the life of Jesus and to experience it abundance. Now, I hope that if you're listening this morning, there's something in you that that really wants to accept that invitation. I hope it stirs you to want that kind of life. But I also hope that it sounds a bit too simple to you. I I really do. I, I hope that there's something in you that questions whether it can really be that easy. Jesus' aim in coming to earth is that you might have eternal life and my my aim with him this morning is that you would you would have that life that you'd want it that you'd receive it you'd experience it enjoy it share it but I also want you to know what it costs I want you to know what it costs Jesus to give it and what it costs us to receive it I want you to know how the news that Jesus came to give us life is good news to a world that's still reeling from death. I want you to know how a new day in Jesus is possible even when the night hasn't yet finished. So in verse four, John calls the life of Jesus the light of all humankind. But he goes further. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it has there ever been a more beautiful or more perplexing sentence? I mean, has there ever been a sentence so like unashamedly hopeful, yet so unflinchingly realistic about the darkness in our lives? There's something in us that wants to believe those words. We wanna believe that the light wins in the end. We wanna believe that eternal life is possible even when we are surrounded by so much darkness. But how can we know that promise is true? How can we bear witness to the light of Jesus without ignoring the reality of darkness? To understand how it's all possible, we have to look at Jesus himself. Later in the Gospel of John, in chapter 16, Jesus is with his disciples. And it's the night of his betrayal, the night when he's going to be handed over to be crucified. And in so many ways, this is Jesus's darkest hour. He will face all the forces of darkness. They're all about to come against him. He'll face the darkness of betrayal by one of his closest friends. He'll face the darkness of being disowned by those he loved to the very end. He'll face the darkness of being unfairly accused of blasphemy by the religious leaders who who should have recognized him as their God he face the darkness of being unjustly condemned by an oppressive political power who should have seen his authority. The darkness of being rejected by the people he came to save, the darkness of loneliness, the darkness of humiliation, the darkness of pain, of grief, of death, even death on a cross. And Jesus, in the moment before all the powers of darkness would fall upon him, turns to his disciples and says, Take heart. I have overcome the world. You See, Jesus sees what the disciples do not see. Jesus sees what for so many of us, it's become so difficult to see in the middle of a year filled with darkness. Jesus sees that in God's mercy, God does not allow darkness to have the final word. He sees that the darkness He faces is actually the very means by which His light will triumph. In his coming to the world and his death on the cross, Jesus stepped fully into the darkness of our sin. He stepped fully into the darkness of our suffering. He stepped fully into everything that's broken in our world. And he overcame the darkness by the strength of his light. Light and darkness may be opposites, but they are not equals. Sin has no power in the light of God's mercy. Pain has no power in the light of God's grace. Evil has no power in the light of God's goodness. And death has no power in the light of God's life. Through his death, Jesus overcame all the forces of darkness. Jesus saw all these things. And because he saw them, we can see the truth about the darkness in our lives. We can see that the darkness we face isn't the moment of our defeat, but the moment of God's victory breaking in. It isn't the place where we're overcome by death, but where Jesus overcomes death with his life. Thanks be to God. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what, what does this mean for us, for, for you and for me? It means that if this morning, the darkness feels more real to you than the light, if the life of Jesus seems distant or inaccessible, then you're actually in the best possible position to receive him. You're at the very point where Jesus most clearly and genuinely meets us. Take a look with me at verses nine through 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him." When Jesus was on earth, uh, many people interacted with him, religious leaders and professional theologians of his day, the spiritual experts and moral heavyweights, the social elites and political powers, but for everything that they had going for them, they did not recognize Jesus. They didn't receive his life. And what these verses make clear is that it's all too easy to have everything but to miss the invitation of Jesus into life. In fact, it seems to point to the reality that the more secure a person is in their own situation, be that their knowledge, their status, their morality, their spirituality, or anything else, the more difficult it will be for them to recognize Jesus. Look at those who do receive Jesus in the Gospel of John. We see a Samaritan woman for whom the weight of her past is such a source of shame that she comes to draw water from a well at the hottest hour of the day so that no one will see her. We see a man who had been born blind who because of his blindness needed to sit and beg on the street We see a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery, who'd been dragged into the street to be publicly condemned. We see the disciples when they're caught in a raging storm on this tiny fishing boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and they're just overwhelmed with fear. We see a man who'd been crippled for 38 years. We see a man whose son is dying. We see a crowd of hungry people. We even see a man who's been dead for four days. And these are the people to whom Jesus reveals himself. These are the people upon whom his light shines. These are the people who are needy enough, broken enough, guilty enough, fearful enough to cry out to Jesus in their need and to receive his life. These are the people for whom the light of Jesus becomes a concrete matter of fact reality within the darkness of their daily and ordinary needs. These are the people who, despite all appearances, are actually in the best position to receive Jesus. The great secret of the Christian life is that the degree to which you look to Jesus in your need is the degree to which you will receive his life. The degree to which you sit with Jesus in your moments of darkness is the degree to which you'll know the power of his light with you. And those of us who are at the end of our rope and the rope is fraying and our hands are weak from holding on for so long, are actually in the best position to let go and to fall back into the grace of Jesus. Jesus wants to give you life and life abundantly and never more than in your moments of greatest need. These are the moments where Jesus' presence becomes real the moments where Jesus' invitation into life can be received. So today, if the darkness feels more real to you than the light, don't give up on Jesus. Don't settle for survival. The next time you feel your thoughts giving way to despair, the next time you feel anxious or afraid, ask Jesus to be with you. Next time you lose your temple with your kids or you snap at a roommate, ask Jesus to be with you. Next time you feel lonely or exhausted, ask Jesus to be with you. The Next time things feel dark, ask Jesus to be with you. Jesus is with you and his presence is light in the middle of darkness. And Jesus' life and that life is the light that you need. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.